Welcome to the Hold for Release podcast. I'm Kevin, a private pilot and an instrument-rated pilot here to talk about the U.S. airline industry. I'll provide my thoughts on aviation news, financial reports, and updates along with some personal flight experience. The Hold for Release podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be an official report for any investment advice, news, or aviation guidelines. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now let's get into it. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about a couple things uh, new in the podcast, um, a little bit from my personal flying experience as well, um, which connects to the airline world and further deeper into the airline world. So the thing that I really want to focus on today is going around. Now, for everyone who has flight experience, going around is something that's crucial, something that you learn. It's actually one of the first things you learn when you're initially learning takeoffs and landings and, and staying in the pattern is how to go around. It's something that is necessary to learn when you are flying an airplane because things go wrong all the time. Things go wrong all the time. And it is necessary to have it so that you can keep yourself protected, um, keep the airplane protected, your passengers, everyone. Because you can always go back up if you have the fuel, of course. When in doubt, just go around. That's kind of my philosophy. If I'm coming in too high, coming in too low, I get a gust of wind that pushes me off center a little, uh, a lot that I don't feel comfortable recovering from, I'm going around. Or if I'm in IMC, and I don't like where I am, I'm going missed approach. Of course, you know, there's the uh, full scale deflection stuff and some things where you have to go around, uh, have to do a missed approach. But if you don't like where you're looking, if you feel disoriented, just go missed, go missed, talk to ATC. It's really not a big deal in general aviation because your airplanes are slow, you're not working for money. And for most cases, general aviation. Now, that's something that isn't as much as the case in the airline industry. And, and, and I want to come back to that. But, but first, I, I want to go back to the safety side in general, general aviation um, because when I would be flying, of course, I, I'm, I'm not flying as much anymore and I'm more on the business side of it focused. But when I was flying and getting in a lot of practice, I would, especially this time last year, I would rent the airplane and go from um, my home airport to somewhere else in North or South Carolina and then fly back. Now, and I would do all of this solo. A lot of times I would do it at night or sunset into night. And I wasn't really, pre- I, I wasn't really prepared for, for a lot of things. And I'll go back to this in another episode, but one of the things that I wasn't necessarily ready for was how gusty some of these winter winds can be because they can be just brutal. They can be just brutal. That's something I've noticed because I never used to fly a ton in the winter as a VFR pilot. Um, and now as an instrument rated pilot, I know the severity of and, and the possible dangers of flying in winter because I didn't really think about how icing could form, could work. The dangers of going to IMC, that's one of the leading causes, if not, I think it is the most leading cause of a VFR private pilot. Their death, the leading cause of death is going accidentally going into IMC and dying. I didn't know the severity of that. 
and I, I, the winds was a big thing. I would and uh, uh, potential car, carburetor icing. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize the severity of it, and I'm lucky that I do. I did get to learn about that before something bad happened. Now, this whole safety issue, um, from my experience, that's another topic. That's another topic. But and don't get me started on how I feel like there should be more regulations on um, being hood, uh, being under the hood for private pilots, considering how big of an issue that is. That's another thing. Whatever. But what I'm here to talk about today is when I would always kind of not laugh at, but I would just. I would never appreciate other pilots bragging how they wouldn't go around. They would say, oh, man, I haven't, go- I haven't done a go around in X amount of months because my landings are so good. My approaches are so good. My pattern works so good. There are no- there's a number of things that's wrong with that. One, it's never a flex or a something to brag about that, you've ne- that you don't have to go around because – if you get in that mindset saying, I don't, I don't have to go around. I'm too good of a pilot. I can always figure out ways to get around it. That's going to be potentially life-threatening because you will find yourself in a position where you get thrown off course, something happens, and you say, oh, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep landing, keep going for it. That's, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. Or it's also dangerous because you say, oh, man, I haven't done a go-around in months because I don't need to. I'm too good of a pilot. My approaches are so good. Then you might not know how to do a go around if if you're not ready for it. You might go full power and immediately take your flaps out and you lose all of that lift and boom, you're hitting the ground. And that could be, be potentially life-threatening as well. There are a lot of things that you have to do to stay uh, proficient in an airplane and that goes beyond instrument flight. That that That's as simple as private pilot stuff as well. Doing a go around is one of the the best things, the safest thing to do in general aviation. And it's it's not shamed. I hate when people start shaming people for going around. Now, I, I started, I'll admit it, I started getting in this mindset where I would be flying just about every single day. Um, and I was so good at my pattern work because I was a VFR pilot um, doing all these long cross-country stuff, VFR, of course, and I got so good at finding the airport, setting up a pattern, setting up a good uh, downwind base and final turn. I feel so confident that I don't need to go around. And even if something did go wrong, or not go go wrong, but something happens where I can, I, I always felt like I had time to adjust for it. And I was humbled <laughs> very quickly. Uh, so an example, an, an example of when I didn't go around. I remember I was flying into... Uh, Laurenburg Maxton, North Carolina. It's one. It's a great airport. They have a couple of 747s, a, a DC-10, 737 that are scraped and retired, obviously, and that are just laying around there, which are really cool. Really recommend if you have the chance doing it. Anyway, I was flying into there. I was flying into runway five, set up a nice, um, a nice 45 entry to my downwind, right? And everything was going well, a downwind into the base, and now I'm turning, I'm going final. I'm the only one on CTAF. I'm the only one here who's talking. This airport's almost always just silent when I go. No one else is there. 
So I thought, ah, oh, it's routine. I've never even seen any ground equipment. I've never seen another airplane. I, I do. I do see airplanes there every now and then that are flying, but it's really rare because I'd go to this airport a lot. So I was on approach. I was on my short final, right? I've got 20 degrees of flaps in. I, I like to land with 20 degrees flaps in. So that's what I was doing. I was maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred feet over the runway. And I see this truck, this, uh, it was like an F-150 type at about the thousand foot markers. It was, it was driving towards the runway and it looked like it was just doing some routine work and it was just coming back to the FBO because uh, the FBO was on the other side of the runway. And so I see this truck and I'm thinking, all right, is he going to stop? Is he going to stop? He's probably going 20, 25 miles an hour on the grass, right? Heading straight towards the runway. Meanwhile, I'm coming down and I'm, I'm trying to focus on the landing while also monitor this F-150. I make another radio call. Hey, I'm on short final, short final. I don't know if they have a radio in their truck. I know a lot of ground equipment do, but I don't know. So this truck is, it keeps driving and I, by the time I am just maybe 50 feet over the runway, it stops right in front of the the runway. The, the truck stops right in front of the runway. And I landed and I taxied off and did my uh, full stop taxi back and was out of there. And looking back, I the entire time when I was in descent, I was thinking this this truck definitely sees me. This truck definitely knows I'm here. I've been announcing all my radio calls on frequency. I've got all my lights on, getting into land. It's VFR day. And right outside the driver's window, like there's definitely he can definitely see me. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But when I was about 50 feet over the runway and he was still going right before he stopped, I I had this feeling where I'm thinking, if I land this plane, this truck doesn't see me, and I hit this car, because I would hit him. I would. There was no way around. I would hit him, and it would not be good. He would probably die. He, I mean, he, I would hit him hit straight on. I would hit him directly. I would probably die. I mean, I thought, this cannot be good. So that's something that I learned. I said, you know what, next time, if something ever like that happens, I'm, I'm going around. I don't care. I'm going around. I'm telling that truck, hey, go do your thing, and I'll do another lap in the pattern and come back around. Same thing if there's like a deer on the runway or something. I know a number of people who have like had wildlife encounters. I was actually a solo student when there was a, a deer on the runway. Um, wasn't anything threatening, but when in doubt, the moral story, just when in doubt, go around and go, go do it again. Go take things over because you have that opportunity to go do it again. If you crash, you don't have that opportunity. You could always say, oh, man, I wish I did this. I did. But you know, it, it's, it's whatever. That's what I say. Now, anyway, that's enough for the general aviation stuff. I'm just saying always go around if you need to. Now, what I want to do is, is relate that to the airline world. The airlines do I, – I don't know how to phrase this cor- correctly or delicately enough so that it makes sense. But the airlines do not want you to go around unless it is absolutely necessary. It, that being said, so of course the airlines want the pilots to be safe, make good judgment, go around if you need to, be safe. But at the same time – 
they don't want them to go around. They don't want them to take more time in the air. And here's why. You, take, you, you go around. Let's say 737 is already 20 minutes late going to land into Atlanta. This 737 decides to go around because, I don't know, something happens and, and they go around, right? If it's a safety issue, of course, that's a thing. If it's just, I don't know. I don't know. There, God knows what could happen up there. There's a lot of stuff that, ha- that happens. But the 737 goes around when they didn't necessarily absolutely have to. That's not great for the airline because when that airline goes around, it's burning a lot more fuel. They're most likely going to just go do a missed approach. I don't really know how uh, airline go-rounds work. I don't know if they just go missed approach or something. Um, it burns fuel. It burns a lot more fuel. It messes up the air traffic controller's rotation. So if you're busy, if you're flying into Atlanta, which is really busy during a peak time of arrivals and you are messing up that system, eh, it's not great. It's it's a little hiccup. ATC can can fit you in, but it's not ideal. They would rather have you just land, which I understand. Another thing is you go around, the airplane goes back up in the sky, even if that takes a delay of 10 more minutes. Those 10 minutes, if you're already running late, it could be crucial to that next flight that the airplane is on. So let's say that that airplane is going into Atlanta and then that airplane needs to be fueled up, get ready to go, unload the passengers, unload the bags, reload the passengers, reload bags, and then go back out and fly to LaGuardia. Let's say that. That's putting a dent and that's making that airplane delayed more, which costs more money. And you don't want to be delayed if you are flying airplanes. You do not want to be delayed because that's money. That's money. Passengers, you don't want them to be late. You don't want cargo to be late because it's more important for passengers because they miss their connection flights. The, the, the airplane itself gets more far, far, further and further behind on legs, and that takes them uh, more time to get off the ground. So I go back to that scenario here. So let's say that 737 is, goes around, does a misapproach on the, at, at Atlanta. Right, so they're already 20 minutes late, and then that missed approach makes them call it another 12 minutes late, and then they got to taxi to the gate. So now they're getting to the gate. I don't know. Atlanta can be can be pretty brutal with those taxi times, but they can get to the gate maybe 40 40 minutes late, and that is a lot because passengers have to go and get their connection flights. And they're going to be scrambling. A lot of people are going to miss their connection flights and have to deal with customer service. Then the airline's going to have to pay, get those hotels and the yada, yada, yada. It's an extra headache there. I don't know how all of that stuff works, how the hotels and everything work. But you don't want those passengers to miss flights because it hurts your reputation as an airline. It's losing money, making your passengers unhappy. There's a lot. There's a lot. And then you have to put those people on standby and get them another ticket. And there's just... I, it's just a whole mess. It's a whole system that, that is just ruining and losing money for the airlines. Long story short, it is a, the airline industry is a very hand-in-hand, very fast-moving process. 
where everyone needs to be on board, everyone needs to do their job, everyone needs to do their part, and it has to go smoothly. Now, obviously, there are things that happen where there's weather, there's maintenance issues, passengers, as you've seen in 2021, there's been awful passengers who have caused fistfights or something like that. And stuff happens where you have to get diverted or come in late, and it happens, right? So airlines do that. But you don't want that to happen over and over and over and over again because it is very easy to lose money in this industry. It is really hard to make money in this industry. Um, and, and as I said about those unruly passengers, that's another thing it, that has especially come up in 2021. There have been more and more instances of those, but if you are a passenger who gets drunk on a flight, refuses to wear their masks, I, I don't want to get into that, but and you cause the plane to get diverted and everyone has to figure out a way of how to get to their city. That plane is not where it's supposed to be. That's a whole nother thing. So you can see that you can see how, how quickly this process can get messed up if people don't do their part. That goes from anywhere from the top executives of the airline all the way to the passengers, to the paying passengers. Everyone needs to do their part to make this airline and make the passengers profitable, go on time and go on time, make people happy. Now that being said, Always go around if you need to. <laughs> if you're flying in the airlines, they might not want you to if you don't need to. But if you're general aviation, always go around. Now, I said that I told you that story of when there was that F-150 that kind of drove near the runway. And I said, man, I wish I go. I went around. I'll tell you another story real quick. Um, and then I'll end the episode. So I was flying in January 2021. It was a really windy day, and at this time, I've gotten used to flying in winds, right? And that's something that I got good at because I expected there to be um, some winds that would come in, and, and over those past few months, I got really good at flying in 10 to 15 knot headwinds to 8 knot crosswinds. I got really good at that, and that was something that I wasn't super comfortable with over the summer of t- summer 2020. But I got really, very good at it, very comfortable with it. So, and I didn't, the worst thing, looking back at this story, I just cringe. I cringe so hard because I was going up solo. It was in the afternoon. It was after a long day of work um, and school, of course. I was doing all flying school and working at the same time. But, so I rented the plane. I was looking at the METAR. I was listening to the live reports, looking at surface analysis, doing all that stuff. I was planning on going to, I think, Spartanburg. I think Spartanburg. So I rented the plane, and by the time I took off, it was uh, 12-knot cross, direct crosswind, 12-knot direct crosswind gusting 22, 22, I think, direct crosswind. I shouldn't, I just really wish I didn't fly this day. So I took off, went full power, immediately get the gusts, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, I, this shouldn't, uh, I really kind of put myself in a bad place here before I realized it, before I wanted to, I just wanted to pull the power and just say, just can't, nope, I'm not going up. I was too late. I was, I was getting kind of drifted off the runway a bit. My nose wheel was starting to shake because I was, I don't know. I was, I was a little hesitant. It was not a good takeoff. The nose wheel was kind of swerving a little bit because of the gusts. And I, of course I had my crosswind correction in with the ailerons, but I took off and just immediately just terrible, terrible winds. Um, 
turbulence and gusts. It was really bad. I got about halfway to Spartanburg, and then I turned around because the turbulence was just so bad. It was so bad, and it was exhausting. So I turned around. The sun was going down in about 40 minutes, and I I wanted to get the airplane down on the ground as soon as possible because I was starting to get pretty nauseous. And flying, flying like me flying the airplane, I don't get nauseous, but that day I was getting nauseous because it was so turbulent. So I was getting pretty motion sick, flying back into my hometown airport, and listening to the Mitars, and the, and the winds are getting worse, and it was maybe I think it was like 15 gusts 24 now and and when it said peak gust 24 I mean that was like a consistent 24 24 knots of wind so I'm I'm circling around there's no one else there at the airport it was like a Wednesday afternoon super random day to fly and I I think all right I'm just gonna try it I'm just gonna go test kind of test the waters a little bit and if I go around I'll go around and this was when I had the mentality where I was thinking I haven't gone around in so long I don't because I don't need to I'm too good of a pilot I've been practicing so long yada 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 this is the story that humbled me very quickly <laughs> so I set up I set up the traffic pattern downwind to bait to base to final I'm on final and I just cannot stay center at all i'm just getting thrown like i mean just pushed around well it was i can't even describe it it was terrible i i immediately just went around and so in my mind i'm thinking all right i I just went around i might be stuck up here for a while i had plenty of fuel but in my mind i thought okay i can just go fly around this the the little town of in North Carolina where I was, I'll just go fly around there for a little bit and wait for the sun to set because I've been flying so much uh, at sunset that I knew the winds would get better when the sun was down. I knew that from experience. So I flew around for a bit. I was kind of looking at other airports, seeing if those winds were better. Just about everywhere was pretty bad. And so I waited for the sun to go down, would listen to the Mitar report probably every 30 seconds just of how nervous I was. I was so ready to get on the ground. I was really just freaking out. I was just freaking out. I thought, man, this could be the time that I might not make it. I was starting to get those thoughts where I might be stranded up here. I don't know if I can get this airplane down without crashing. Keep in mind, I'm a 19-year-old kid, VFR pilot, like, I don't know. I just, I was not feeling confident about that scenario. So the sun goes down, listen to the Mutar port, and it's kind of minute by minute as the sun's going down. It's like winds are 15 gusts 24. Then the next minute it would be 14 gusts 22. Then 12 gusts 18. And it would slowly go down. And it's finally pitch black out to where I felt comfortable where I would go again. And it was, it was, um, direct crosswind about i think it was 11 miles per hour or 11 knots i keep saying miles per hour it's not 11 knots and i set up the traffic pattern set up my final get a crosswind correction in and wasn't a pretty landing but i was just so thankful to be on the ground where i landed and i just thought i'm so glad 
I went around that one time and I am never, ever doing that again if that wind is that strong. I'm never going to have that kind of ego, inflamed ego where I say, I can do it. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy wind, but I've been getting good at these crosswind landings. I feel like I can, I can land in, in that kind of wind. No, 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 not at all. But I am glad that I went around that one time where it was gusting 24 miles an hour, we were 24 knots. I am glad I did that because if I tried to keep that inflamed ego, I don't know if I'd be here. I don't know. <laughs> it felt like getting out of the airplane, you know, in those movies where <laughs> people have been on like a boat or a plane and they just want to get out and they get out and they like kiss the ground and like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like that's what it felt like, but it, it felt good to be, be back. So that's kind of how it all ties in general aviation. If you go around, it's no big deal. And the airlines, it's a big, it is a bigger deal because you're losing a lot of money, a lot of money and that money piles up fast and then every minute is precious in the airline industry but anyway that's that's that um i do kind of want to come back with maybe one or two more episodes and of simply just aviation talk maybe share some stories or something like that but i do have some plans for um this next season of hold for release so i want to incorporate more of just generalized business and uh, guests, I really want to have guests on and just kind of not specifically aviation, but definitely a lot of my episodes will be focused on aviation, but I want to have a lot of business stuff too. And because I do have a lot of guests that I want to bring on and that's something I'm really excited about. So we'll still have aviation stuff, still, um, starting to have guest guest speakers, but we'll start to include some just right, uh, business overall, um, and maybe some, I don't know, sports or something like that. Just other kind of spice up the topic. So, but that's all for now. Just want to thank everyone for listening and I'll see you soon.